The following message is brought to you by the teaching and preaching ministry of the Ambassador Baptist Church and Pastor Joshua Ermler. I remember I was a, I was a six-year-old boy, six years old, and uh, our family at the time lived at a little house in Morgan Hill, California, up in Northern California, and uh, our backyard was kind of a quaint little backyard. We had uh, along the fence, along the outside, there was a lot of ivy that would grow up and over the fence and, and along the back of the, uh, of the yard, there were all these beautiful rose bushes. Uh, how many of you have some rose bushes maybe in your yard? And they're just gorgeous, really big, really nice. And one day me and one of my brothers decided we were going to get together and we were going to have a, a race. And we we're going to race five times around the outskirts of our backyard. And we were going to see who was the fastest because as a five-year-old, you know, that was just a big deal. You wanted to be known as the fastest, you want to be the fastest, so you're always running races. And and so sure enough, we lined up and we started running and we we're running out the outskirts of our backyards one time, two times. And I don't know exactly how it happened, uh, but at some point in that race, either my brother shoved me or maybe I tripped. But uh, right in the middle of that race, I'm running along, I trip over my feet and I go flying just literally face first into one of these giant rose bushes with all of these thorns. And I remember as just a five, six-year-old little boy just literally having all those thorns start going into my arms, into my face, into my body. And in that moment, I let out just a terrifying scream. You could just imagine how painful that would be. I, I turned around, of course, as any five-year-old would do, I, of course, yelled out, Mom! You know, and uh, I don't know if your kids have ever done that. And I ran into my mom, and uh, there's just all these little thorns over me. And she, she grabbed me, and, and she put me down on the couch, and, and she got a little cloth, and she started dabbing where the, where the little thorns had gone in. She took some tweezers and, and started pulling out a couple of those little thorns and uh, took some neosporin and put them on the places where those thorns had, had gone in. And really, over the next few moments, uh, she proceeded to focus her care and her love in bringing healing uh, to my physical body. Um, I really believe that every one of us have had times where we've needed to experience some level of healing. How many of you would say, you know, there's been times in my life where maybe I needed to experience physical healing. Maybe, maybe it's emotional healing. Maybe it was financial or mental healing. Maybe it was relational or spiritual healing. Our theme for this morning is very simple, and that is simply this. God's focused grace brings healing. God's focused grace brings healing. So as we get started this morning, I want to ask you this one question. Is there an area of your life where you need to experience God's healing grace? What about for you? Relationally, maybe spiritually, emotionally, is there an area in your life where you need to experience God's healing grace? Today we're going to meet three individuals from Mark chapter number 5 that Jesus focused his attention on and ultimately provided grace to. We're going to study this entire chapter this morning. We won't read all of it at once, but we'll start in verse number 1 and make our way through verse number 43 as we unpack this package, uh, passage a little bit 
today. Now, if you are a guest with us this morning, we're so glad to have you as one of our uh, honored guests. We're so glad you're here inside the welcome guide that you should have received on the way in. Uh, there's a little connection card. I I'd love for you at some point in the service to take that out, fill it out, and uh, at the end of the service, take it to the welcome tent where we'll have a gift for you. We'd love to have a record of your attendance. It'll also give us an opportunity to follow up and just share with you a little bit about what's going on here in the future of our church. But uh, for our members and regular tenders, let's stand at this time as we take a moment to read from our text. We're going to start in Mark chapter number 5. I'm going to begin in verse number 1 and then read down through verse number 8. So we'll start in Mark chapter number 5. Uh, let's go to verse number 1. And we'll start by reading through verse number 8 and through the Bible study we'll keep reading uh, as we go. The Bible says in the Gospel of Mark, chapter number 5, verse number 1, it says, And they, this is Jesus and the disciples, came over unto the other side of the sea into the country of the Gadarenes. Verse 2. And when he was come out of the ship, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit who had, dwell, who had been dwelling among the tombs. And no man could bind him, no, not with chains, because that he had been often bound with fetters and chains, and the chains had been plucked asunder by him, and the fetters broken in pieces, neither could any man tame him. This guy was just out of his mind. Uh, it, you know, this is the type of guy you would have thrown into an insane asylum. He had these unclean spirits, just mental issues. The Bible says here in verse number 5, it says, Always night and day he was in the mountains, in the tombs, crying and cutting himself with stones. Verse 6. But. But when he saw Jesus afar off, he ran. And worshipped him. The Bible says he cried with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou son of the most high God? Remember, this is a man who's got unclean spirits. He's got demons in him. And yet even these demons within him recognize that Jesus was indeed the very son of God. He says, I adjure thee by God that thou torment me not. Verse 8. And Jesus said unto him, Come out of the man, thou unclean spirit. As we look at these three characters from the Gospel of Mark, chapter number 5, I want to speak on the subject today of the focus of Jesus. Let's have a word of prayer and then we'll dive into the rest of our Bible study this morning. Let's pray. Dear gracious and heavenly Father, Lord, we love you. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity that we have as a church body to gather together to study your word. Lord, these people haven't come today to hear from a personality, to hear from a person, to hear my thoughts or my words. Lord, we recognize that we're here to listen to your word. So I pray that your word would go forth clearly. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would take your word and apply it to each and every one of us individually. I pray that you would do this morning what, what my, my, my skills cannot do, and that is touch and communicate the, to the hearts of each of these individuals here today. I pray that your word would minister to us and your spirit would, would bring healing and health. Lord, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. 
The gentleman we read about in verses number 1 through verses number 8, this guy was a total outcast in, in every sense of the word. We see in these passages here at some point he had been indwelt by an unclean spirit of some sort of demon. He was literally demon-possessed, we might say today. And and because of that, he was just out of his mind. Uh, In other parallel passages, he run around with no clothes on. He, He would just cry out aloud. You can imagine if you lived in the village, you know, just outside, and maybe in the middle of the night, you would hear him just crying out. You can imagine just how kind of creepy that would feel as you're trying to put your children to bed at night, wondering what would happen. Oftentimes, the people there in the village, the Bible says, would come because he was just so out of his mind. He was so crazy. They didn't know what he would do. They would take chains and rope, and they would bind him up, thinking that maybe somehow that would keep him from hurting people in the, in the community. But the Bible says that something about his strength, he was just able to rip these chains off and rip off these ropes. And so these people literally could not handle this man. I mean, he was just, he's just dis- disrespectful. He was poor. He was dirty. And, and really, there was, there was nothing that this man could do for himself. Uh, we, we might say today he had some, some mental issues, some mental disease. Uh, one time when I was a young man, I, I was at a camp, and I heard a preacher preach from this passage. And uh, back in those days, these preachers would like to come up with really clever titles, you know, for their sermons. And the title that this person, this preacher used as he preached from this passage was this. He titled his sermon, A Rude New Dude with a Very Bad Mood. And that was the title of his sermon. (laughs) A rude new dude in a very bad mood. And you know what, to be honest, that that might describe this man, that might describe uh, this individual. I mean, this guy was terrible. He was entirely helpless And yet here's what we see in verse number 8. Jesus took time for him. The rest of the community, the rest of the people, they just wanted to get him out of their lives. They wanted nothing to do with him. Let's just try to keep him in a place where he won't make our lives uncomfortable. That was their goal. That was their mission. And yet Jesus leans into this situation. Jesus has a heart to focus his grace upon this man, which leads us to our first first thought this morning and that is this we see Jesus focuses on the helpless this man couldn't do anything for himself he's completely out of his mind possessed with a demon and an unclean spirit and yet Jesus focuses his grace on him and I want to remind our church this morning it doesn't matter how bad somebody's past is It doesn't matter how sinful somebody once was. It doesn't matter how desperate they are. It it might not just be somebody else. It might be you. It, It doesn't matter how bad your past was. It doesn't matter what kind of sin you found yourself in. It it doesn't matter how desperate your life has become. I want to say to you that Jesus has grace for you. Regardless of what you've been through, regardless of what you've done, Jesus is regularly willing to focus on the helpless, to help those who cannot help themselves. We've all been in situations where we've seen individuals and it was like they they can't even help themselves. And I want to say to you in those times where people can't even help themselves, that there is a God in heaven who has a heart to help those who are helpless. Jesus focused on the helpless. 
probably one of the most famous songs in history, if we were to be quite honest. The song has been performed an estimated 10 million times a year. This song continues to be played. It's been recorded over 11,000 different albums. I mean, this, is, this, this song is just unbelievable. It was written by a man by the name of John Newton, who was born in 1725. His dad was a ship captain. In fact, his mom died when he was only seven years old. And, and his dad, not knowing what to do, basically took his young son at seven years old, and he made him a sailor on one of his ships. And so at seven years old, this young man had to kind of learn how to fend for himself, had to figure out what to do on ships. And so he became very good as a sailor at seven, eight, nine years old. In fact, by the year 1745, he became his own ship captain. I mean, he's 19, 20 years old, and he's running his own ships. It wasn't long later, however, just because of the environment that he found himself in, he literally became a slave trader. He became a human trafficker. He would take his ships down to, to Africa where he and some of his crew would begin to kidnap hundreds of men and women and boys and girls and three, four, five hundred at a time. He would just literally pack into the bows of his ship and he would take them up to Europe and he would sell these individuals, sell them. He was a horrible man. He got caught into all kinds of immorality. He was a drunk. He had no value of human life. Like he could just care less about human beings. Whether they died, whether he sold them. I mean, this guy was like the worst of the worst. You can imagine today those who profit over human trafficking in the day and age in which we live today. I mean, this is the worst of the worst of society. It was in 1748, he had just made one of these trips down to Africa, had packed hundreds of people in the bow of a ship, made his way up to Ireland, where he sold every single one of these men, women, boys and girls for his own profit, for his own pleasure. He was making his way back down from Ireland when all of a sudden he got caught in one of the most terrible storms that had ever hit that part of the, that part of the world. There he is in the middle of this storm and the waves are just billowing up against the ship. It's tossing the ship left and right. And it was one of the worst storms he said he'd ever been in as a sailor in his entire career. At one point, apparently, the mass of the ship had fallen because it was so intense, this storm, that the mass of the ship fell into the ship and literally drove a hole through the side of the ship. The moment that happened, of course, the ocean water just kind of started gushing into the ship. And it was in that moment John realized this is the end. This is where, this is where it all over, this is where I'm going to die. It's in the middle of this storm. The waves are crashing left and right. Now there's a big hole in the side of the ship and the ocean is just kind of coming on in. As he tells and as he says, it was in that moment, not knowing what else to do, knowing that his life was at the very end, he prayed. In that moment, he just begged God to save his life. In fact, he, he said, I pro he promised the Lord that he would do anything that God wanted if he would just simply save his life. Literally, within a couple of moments, a giant wave came and hit the side of that ship. In fact, the wave hit it so hard, John said that the, the, the ship literally like went up on its side. That wave crashed against it so hard. And in that moment, there was a large, just bunch of cargo that was on the deck of that ship. And when that wave hit that ship, that cargo started sliding down the deck of the ship. And it literally started sliding right to where that giant hole in the side of the ship was. And that cargo jammed into the hole. 
essentially clogging the hole. A few moments later, the storm started to settle. And eventually, the, the ship drifted toward land, and, and John and his crew didn't die. John, in that moment, took it as a sign from God that God had a purpose for his life. It was a little while later that he began to investigate just Christianity. Not long after that, he literally became a preacher, a preacher of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He began to repent of all of his sinful ways and, and literally for years later became one of the leaders of the abolitionist movement to kind of get rid of slavery in his parts of the world. During his ministry, he, he penned the words to a song that probably all of us have sung at one point or the other. It's the song Amazing Grace. And I know this is a little different for us, but we're going we're to just do this, all right? Let, let's just take a moment and kind of in an acapella way. I know Hunter's not out here. But I want us to sing this song acapella together. And I want us to sing it with that perspective in mind, all right? So those of you who can sing, let's sing out. Just, it goes like this. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Think about the words. I once was lost, but now I am found. Was blind, but now I see. John, John Newton recognized that he was, he was the worst of the worst. Like he used the words, like I'm a wretch. One of the most immoral. One of the guys that could care less about human life. Profited over human trafficking. He was like, I was lost, but now I'm found was blind, but now I see, and that's why he said, this grace, this grace is amazing. It's amazing. Something about the grace of God. It was A.W. Tozer who said this, Jesus knows the worst about you. Nonetheless, he's the one who loves you the most. Let, let that sink in for a moment. There's nobody who knows you more intimately than Jesus. And yet this person who knows the worst of the worst of the worst of that which you have done. He's the one who loves you the most. Psalm chapter number 22, verse 24, the psalmist says it this way. For God has not despised or abhorred the affliction of the afflicted. The psalmist David, he's in this state and he's saying, Oh, for God has not despised or abhorred this affliction. Notice this, and he has not hidden his face from him. God doesn't hide his face from those who are broken. He doesn't hide his face from those who are weak. He doesn't hide his face from those who don't have it all together. It says here, he has not hidden his face from him, but has heard when we cry to him. Aren't you thankful for God that doesn't, that doesn't hide his face from us? Maybe you're sitting here today and you're like, if, if you knew what I had once done, if you knew what I once was, I don't even know if you'd let me in this church. 
what I want to say to you today is this. There is grace for you. God's focused grace is poured out upon those who, who reach out to Him with a repentant heart. Why? Because Jesus focuses on the helpless. I want to keep reading if I can as we move through this passage. Because we see Jesus in this passage, he, he focuses on this demoniac. This one who is out of his mind, but that's not the only individual he focuses on in this passage. I think I have verse number 21 on the screen. Just for sake of time, I'm going to move to verse number 25. The Bible says this in verse number 25 of chapter number 5. It says, it says, there was a certain woman which had an issue of blood for 12 years. All right, it's verse 25. Verse 26. The Bible says, and had suffered many things of many physicians and had spent all that she had and was nothing better, but rather grew worse and worse. So here's, I want you to get a picture of who this woman is. For 12 years, she's had this physical ailment. She's sick. Theologians have, you know, made predictions about maybe exactly what was going on here. I don't know that we fully know, but what we do know is this. For 12 years, she's been physically sick. She's gone to every doctor that she knows of. In fact, the Bible says that the doctors not only, they don't make her better. In fact, in this passage, the Bible says everything that the doctors did actually made the situation worse. Verse 27. When she heard of Jesus... She came into the press behind him. She, she got toward the crowd and kind of tried to get closer. And the Bible says, the Bible says, she touched his garment. For she said, if I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. Now think of the faith of this woman. She had heard the stories about what Jesus had done, the miracles that he had accomplished, the, the physical things that he had done. And, and, and her thought was, if I could just touch his clothes, maybe I'll be made whole. Verse 29, straightway, the fountain of her blood was dried up. And she felt in her body that she was healed of the plague. This disease that she had instantly went away. Verse 30. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him, turned about in the press to the crowd and said, Who touched my clothes? He knew something had happened. Verse 31, the disciples said unto him, Thou seest the multitude around thee. How can you say, who, who touched me? Verse 32. The Bible says, And he looked round about to see her that had done this thing. But the... But the woman, fearing, in fact, she was trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before Jesus and, and told him all the truth. He, he basically told Jesus her story. Verse 34. And Jesus said unto her, Daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. I want you to notice a couple of things about this woman. As, as, I'm, I'm, as I'm looking and studying, I, I see a couple of things. I see, number one, this woman was destitute, if I can use that word. She was destitute. The Bible says here she spent all that she had. So any money that she had to give to doctors, any money she had to give to physicians, any money that she had for medication, the Bible says she spent all of it. So she's destitute, she's poor, she's financially bankrupt. Okay, I just need you to get, I need you to get an understanding of where this woman's at. So she's, she's financially bankrupt. 
Not only that, it says she's, she's desperate. So she's destitute and desperate. What do you mean desperate? For 12 years, she's been suffering this thing. Imagine for 12 years having an ailment, for 12 years going through a predicament, for 12 years having a health issue, and no matter what you try to do, no matter what medications you took, it just, it literally didn't make it better. It was actually getting worse. And so this woman, she's desperate, this, she's destitute, and it just keeps getting worse. And I, I think we could say thirdly, she's literally dying. That's where this woman finds herself. Which leads us to this next thought I want you to focus on today, and that is this. I want you to see that Jesus focuses on the hurting. He takes time to turn around and he he focuses on this one who is hurting. I'm so thankful for a God in heaven who allows his grace to be poured out upon those who are hurting. Whether we're talking physically, whether we're talking emotionally, most importantly, when we're talking spiritually, we have a God in heaven who hears our cries, who cares, and he focuses on the hurting. You don't have to be a leading politician in the city of Fresno to realize that there are a lot of hurting people in this city. In fact, according to the U.S. Department of Housing and Urban Development, right this very moment, we have 636 unsheltered homeless people in Fresno County, and many more who would be homeless, but they at least have some shelter, you know, at a rescue mission or or some other facility. Over 600 within our city limits. There are many people outside of our city who are shocked to learn that Fresno is actually one of the nation's top using drug cities. In fact, our drug usage rate stands at three times the national average. I want you to let that sink in for a moment. In the city of Fresno, drug usage in this community is three times what it is nationally. In fact, according to the DEA, and I found this statistic just to be incredibly alarming, 80% of the nation's mess comes from cartels through Fresno, 80%. Some estimate, according to studies that I've read, that 20 to 25% of the population of Fresno is dependent on some sort of drug. This is our city, the city that we call home. In another study, while less than 1% 1% of the teenage girls uh, at, Buchanan in, at Buchanan High School in the Clovis School District, less than 1% of them w- will get pregnant. They, they found that in the, in the same uh, time frame that at McLean, a district here in Fresno, that number rose to over 10% of teen pregnancy. So you can see just kind of what we're, exi- what we're experiencing within our community. Some of you are familiar with the Justice Coalition. But in the last nine years, here, just here in Fresno, in the last nine years, we have had over a thousand people who have been rescued out of slavery and human trafficking right here in our city. Over a thousand. Rescued out of sex trafficking, human trafficking, in our community. This is right here. This is our backyard. And they found that the average age of a victim being trafficked in our community, get this, is between 12 and 14 years old. This is our, this is our neighborhood. 
This is our city. So we're not talking nationally. We're not talking out. We're just right here where, where you and I live, our backyard. This is some of the hurt that's taking place in our world. And maybe there's even some of you who are in this room right now and there's some level of hurt that you're experiencing. Some level of pain. You're like, I feel similar to this woman. You feel like year after year after year, you've been trying everything you can to somehow make something better. Somehow to fix what you're going through. The reality is you feel just like this woman. You feel totally destitute and desperate because nothing you do is making anything better. Maybe for some of you, you like this woman and you're at this place, literally, you're at the end of your financial rope because you're like, I, I've literally spent all I had trying to fix this situation. And so you're like, maybe financially, maybe it's with your health, maybe it's emotionally or mentally, and you're just absolutely spent. And, and I, I bring these statistics up to remind us that we live in a broken world. We live in a broken community that desperately needs the help that, that only Jesus Christ can provide. In Psalms chapter number 18, verse number 6, it says this. The psalmist said, in my distress, I called upon the Lord. In that moment where I felt destitute, in that moment where I felt helpless, in that moment when I was hurting, I called upon the Lord. He goes on to say, and I cried to God for help. You ever been in that place? Where like you're just at the end of your rope. And you literally don't know where else to turn, you don't know where else to go, and you just, all you know to do, kind of like we saw John Newton a moment ago, like it was all at the end, and all you knew was to cry to God for help, and here's what the psalmist says, he says, he heard my voice. How many of you are thankful that we have a God in heaven who hears our cries? He's not a false god who has idolized ears made out of gold or brass or silver that cannot hear. We have a God with hands that are not made out of some type of metal that cannot touch. He's not a God that's made out of some type of uh, gold or silver that cannot move in our direction. We have a living and real and true God that when we cry out, he hears. And not only does he hear, he cares. I love it. I love that we serve a God that can hear our prayers. He can hear our cries. And we, we cry out to him much like we see in this passage. He hears us. But not only does he hear, he has a heart of love and compassion that cares. Not only does he hear and not only does he care, but we serve a powerful God who is mighty and who is strong. And not only does he hear and not only does he care, but he has the power to do something about what we're going through. He is almighty. He is creator. He has the strength and the ability to heal. He has the strength and the ability to cure. He has the strength and the ability to accomplish his will as it is in heaven. That is the God we serve. And so when the psalmist cries out, he says, I was in my distress. I called upon the Lord. I cried to God for my help. He says, he heard me. He heard me. And mark it down every time you cry out to God. He hears you. He heard my voice. And my cry for help before him came into his ears. Praise God. Praise God that we have a God that hears. A God that loves. And a God that is actually powerful enough to do something about what he hears. And we see in this passage that Jesus focuses here. He focuses on the helpless and he focuses on the hurting. 
And I want to remind you of this thought. Think about this for just a second. Even, even, all right, and I don't know that this is true, but even if God is all you have, let's just imagine for a moment, you're totally out of money, your health is just totally by the wayside, you have no more emotional margin, you have no more relationships, your marriage, your family, your finances, your health has all completely fallen apart. I want to say to you that even if God is all you have, you have all you need. He's enough. What is made, what you possess in Christ. The Bible says in him we have everything that we need for life and for godliness. Christ is enough. So we see here that Jesus focuses on the helpless. We see him focusing on the hurting. I want you to meet one more character in this passage. Let's go back to verse number 21, uh, verses number 22, and and we're going to meet a final character in, in Mark chapter number 5. The Bible says in verse number 22, And behold, there cometh one of the rulers of the synagogue. So this is a religious leader here in this community. The Bible says in verse 22, Jairus by name. And when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. So Jairus, this religious leader, in this day and age, there was a huge connection between being a religious leader and being a political leader. They're kind of one and the same. So this is a very powerful man in his community, a very religious man in his community, uh, more than likely a very rich and wealthy man in his community. And the Bible says in verse number 22, he falls at Jesus' feet. Notice verse 23. And the Bible says, Jairus besought Christ greatly, saying, what is he saying? He says, my little daughter lieth at the point of death. I pray Pray thee, come and lay thy hands on her that she may be healed. Skip to verse number 35 for just a moment. Because in the middle of all this, we have the, we have the story of this woman with the issue of blood. We just read that a moment ago. So we're going to skip over that story since we looked at it. We'll pick it back up in verse number 35. So while Jesus yet spake to this woman, there came from the ruler of the synagogue's house. So the, so the servant comes from Jairus' house in verse number 35. And he says, Jairus, your daughter is dead. Let that sink in for a moment. Jairus rushes over to where Jesus is. He says, I desperately need your help. In some ways, I've got it all together. I've got political power. I've religiously got it together. I have servants. I have wealth. I have money. But there's just one thing that I can't do anything about. It's my daughter. She's dying. So Jesus starts to follow him, but all of a sudden he gets caught up in this other situation with this woman with the issue of blood. We talked about it a moment ago. And so he starts talking to this woman with the issue of blood, and and while this is all going on, while he's kind of waiting a little bit, one of the servants from Jairus' house comes and says, hey, don't, don't worry about bothering Jesus anymore. Your daughter died. So the servant says, hey, don't worry about troubling the master any further. He was a man who was rich, he was powerful, he was a man who had prestige, a man that the community would have looked up to, and yet he finds himself in this one hopeless situation. He has this one area of his life that he can't do anything about. Which leads us to our final thought this morning, and that is this, Jesus focuses on the hopeless. He focuses on the hopeless. I don't know about you. 
maybe as we've read these other stories, like it, it doesn't resonate with you. Maybe, maybe you're sitting here today and you're just kind of like, man, I, I don't really feel like my story kind of connects with this demoniac that was running in the mountains, howling at the moon. I, it just doesn't, I don't resonate with that. I feel like my life, I got my life a little bit more together than that guy. <laughs> and maybe to some degree you're like, you know what, for the most part, I'm not like this woman who's destitute, got no money, whose kind of health is falling apart, who finds herself all alone. I, I don't really feel like my whole life falling apart. To be honest, I, 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 in most areas of my life, it's going pretty good. I got a good job. I've got money in the bank. I feel like my health's kind of got together. I, I, my family's kind of there. I, I feel like for the most part, my life is pretty good, except there's this, there's this one area. There's just this one thing that just... that's you and you've got this one thing in your life and, and you want to thank God for all his blessings and you want to thank God for all of his goodness and you want to thank God for all the wonderful things he's done in your life but you've got this one area and I don't know what that one area for you is and you you've got it's just like you've got everything but but in this one area you, you've got that one child and so desperately you want to have that relationship that you once had with him and everything else in your life is going good but there's that one relationship that's strained Maybe for somebody else, it's like everything in my life's going good, and all I want is a child. I see my friends having kids, and, and those I love having babies, and for some reason, I don't know why, but God hasn't, God hasn't allowed me to have a child. And there's just this one area, and you're like, I don't, I don't know what it is. And maybe for others, it's like life is good, and I've got a job, and I've got some money, and I've got some friends, but my marriage is falling apart what to do and I don't know what that one thing is for you but maybe you find yourself in a similar situation and you're like yes I want to praise God and I want to thank God because he's been so good to me there's so many blessings I can count and there's so many things I can look to and say praise God for this and praise God for that but there's this one area that just continues to plague my mind and my heart and I just can't shake it that's Jarius he finds himself in a situation that gets bad I mean he's his daughter's about to die, and then all of a sudden he gets the news, she's dead. And maybe that's where the situation's gotten for you. And you got the news from the doctor, not only, you know, you're not going to, it's not just like you're struggling to have kids, the doctor comes and says, I hate to tell you this, you're not, you, it's not going to happen, you, it's dead. That dream has died. And you got the news that this marriage that was struggling, now all of a sudden is a situation where it's dead. It's not just a bad situation, it's an utterly hopeless situation. And you thank God for all the other things that he's done for you, and you thank God for all the wonderful things that he's brought into your life, but in this one area, a bad situation turned to an utter hopeless situation for you. And we see that Jesus focuses on the hopeless. Here's what the Bible says in Psalm 62, verse 5. God says, find rest, oh my soul. The psalmist says, there's rest. In the midst of the brokenness, there's rest. In the midst of the hopelessness, there's peace. In the midst of that season where it feels like life is totally unraveling at the seams, we're reminded that there is peace and there is rest. Find rest, oh my soul, where? In God alone. You might not be able to find rest in your marriage right now. 
and you might not be able to find rest right now in your relationships with your loved ones. There might not be rest there today. You might not be able to find rest in your finances today. And you might not be able to find rest in your physical health. And you might not be able to find rest in your relationship with your children. And there might be a thousand things you can't find rest in. And yet I want to remind you today that you can find rest in God alone. There is rest in Him. Why? Because my hope comes from Him. Our hope. Our ability to find security in our soul is not anchored to how much money we have in the bank. I, I realize a lot of people will tell you, well, if you get this much money in the bank, you'll feel safe, you'll feel secure. The reality is, it's a false hope. The only way to find ultimate security is in the presence of Jesus. It comes from Him. It's in God alone. To focus on Him, to look to Him I want you to think about this statement as we're kind of landing this plane a little bit. As we're coming to an end. There will come a time in every one of your lives, if you've not already come to this point, if you're younger, maybe this hasn't hit you yet, but there will come a time in life when you believe everything is finished. If you've not experienced this, then, then watch out, it's coming. And for some of you who have been down this road in life, you, you've had this moment, you've had this experience. You come to a moment where it's like, you're like, it's over. The marriage is over. My, my hope and dream for having kids is over. That dream has died. There will come a moment in every one of your lives where you believe everything is finished. And I want to say to you, in that moment, that moment, however, will actually just be the beginning of what God wants to do. Yes, your dream dies so his vision can live through you. And that's what happens in this story. I'm thankful that this is not the end of the story. Let's keep reading. Let's keep reading what happens to Jairus. The Bible says, in verse 35, he says, hey, don't bother the master anymore. He says, your daughter's dead. Verse 36. As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said unto Jairus, the ruler of the synagogue, he says, be not afraid. And I want to say to you, when you find yourself in the midst of a hopeless situation, be not afraid. When you find yourself in a situation where that person that you've spent your entire life with is no longer there, I want to say to you, be not afraid. When you find yourself in that hopeless situation, you're like, I don't understand where the finances are going to be. I want to declare to you the words of Jesus, be not afraid. Why? Only believe. Verse 37. And Jesus suffered no man to follow him except for Peter and James and John, the brother of James. Jesus came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue and seeing the torment, he saw all the frustration and irritation and sadness here in the people of the home and, and they that wept and wailed greatly. I mean, they, this, the daughter of their boss is dead. This little girl has passed away and the whole house, the servants and everybody, they're wailing, they're weeping, they're, they're starting a funeral. And when Jesus was come in, he said unto them all, why are you making such a big deal about this? Why, why make ye this great ado and weep? He says this, the damsel's not dead. 
She's just sleeping. She's just sleeping. And you can imagine through their tears and through their wailing, they begin to laugh at him. Jesus, you're crazy. You're crazy. We know what a dead person is. We know what it is when a person stops breathing, when their heart stops beating. We know what dead is. And Jesus is like, wait, 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 wait. What you're calling death, I'm calling sleep. But when he had put them all out, he taketh the father and the mother of the damsel and them that were with him and entered into where the damsel was lying. Verse 41, and he took the damsel by the hand and said unto her, Talmakumai, which is being interpreted damsel, I say unto thee, arise. And straightway the damsel arose and walked, for she was the age of 12 years. And they were astonished with a great astonishment. And he charged them straightly that no man should know it. And he commanded that something should be given to her to, to eat. I, I want to say to you, there are some things in your life right now, and from everything that reality is telling you, everything you look, everything in this physical realm is telling you it's over, it's dead, it's done. And I want to declare to you, you don't know the end of the story. You are not sovereign. You are not omnipotent. You don't know everything that is to come and everything that was, but you have a God in heaven today, and he is there, and he leans in, in your hopelessness and that's why in the scriptures we're declared we're commanded to hope against hope here's our takeaway as we wrap this up healing happens healing happens when we focus on God rather than just on the hurt you've got a choice today you can focus on the fact that you feel helpless. You, you can focus on your hurt. You can focus on that thing that makes you feel hopeless. In this, You can choose to focus on those things. Or you can choose to focus on your God. That's, that's the choice you get. And I'm going to say to you, where you choose to focus will have massive implications on how all this turns out. Where's your focus? So, as I asked you at the beginning of the message, is there an area in your life where you need to experience God's healing grace? Is there an area? This week, we are launching our, our focus groups. Pastor Nick will come up in a moment and talk a little bit more about those, but we have groups, and, and we have groups that will help you focus on, on, on just some of the, the difficulties that we face in life. We have groups for maybe marriages that are struggling and, and we'd invite you to maybe lean into one of those focus groups, a, a marriage group, so you can see what God's grace wants to do in the midst of that situation. We have parenting groups for those of you who are struggling in your parenting. It's an opportunity for you to lean into what God has to say and allow God to focus on that situation in your life. Maybe it's finances, and we have a, a focus group that'll help you look at the Word of God and say, what does God's Word have to say in regards to my finances? Uh, for some of you, you might want to go through one of our grieving focus groups. You've been hurt. You've lost someone, and, and we have a group for group sharing. And, and here's my point. Over the next couple months, we're going to take the opportunity, rather than focusing on our pain, and rather than focusing on our hopelessness and our hurts, and and rather than focusing on all these lesser things, we're going to look and, and really we're going to look through those things and look to the God who is the healer of all. 
and see what his word and his spirit has to say in regards to those situations. And I want you to imagine for a moment, imagine six weeks from now experiencing inner healing in many of these areas that have plagued you for months and maybe even for years and allowing the spirit of God and his grace and his word to bring healing to your life in specific areas. I, I really believe a couple months from now as we look back, I believe God's gonna do a healing work among our church and I believe he's gonna bring some healing uh, through his word and through his spirit in some of the marriages and, and in some of the parenting and some of the families and some of the finances as we allow his word to, to really speak to our specific situations. And so I wanna encourage you to take this moment to, to focus on him because you have, a, you have a God in heaven that is focusing on your hurt and he focuses here on your hopelessness and he's focused on those things where you need help and he wants to pour out his grace upon you. Thank you for listening to this message brought to you by the teaching and preaching ministry of the Ambassador Baptist Church. If this message was a blessing to you, please consider leaving us a review or sharing the message on social media. Thanks once again for tuning in.